Welcome to the Joseph Z. Audio Podcast. For more information about this and other resources, go to josephz.com. When you recognize that the Word of God is your manual for life, man, that's good news. That means everything you need to know about life, you have with you. You have it either in your lap or on some form of media. But God wants you to have everything that he's made available, all his promises, all his abilities, everything. He's made it available for you and for me. And the way we discover that is through his word. But we realize that the the Bible, his word, is more than just uh, a means to salvation and all these things. We recognize that it also offers the equipment we need for living. We recognize that the word of God is made available for unbelievers. You know, when you first came to Jesus, you probably heard somebody talking about the Lord. You probably heard them preaching something or saying something about God, but they learned that from the Bible. So they were speaking out what they learned from the word of God, and therefore you heard it, thus you heard the word of God, and it made your heart come alive, having faith, and you wanted to believe in him. So the purpose for unbelievers of the word is that when we speak the word out, unbelievers hear it, and it's like seed that goes into their hearts, springing to faith, and they can be born again. The purpose of the word for the life of the believer is that we live for it, like a manual. We have it like a manual. We utilize the word of God just like a manual. You know, if you have a car and your car breaks down and you might not know what's going on with that car, but if you have a owner's manual or a mechanic's manual for that particular vehicle, you can literally go and figure out what's going on with the car. You can diagnose the problem or even fix or repair certain things with a vehicle because of the manual. And the same is true with our lives. God has given us a life manual for the believer. It's called the Bible, the Word of God. And I love the Word of God. It's so powerful. Now we recognize this, that faith does come by hearing, hearing the Word of God. And through all this, this manual idea we're talking about is that the Word offers you and I equipment for living. It's important that we begin to understand what the equipment is for living how it operates in our life, how we activate the equipment, and how it plays out and what the fruit of it is. Today we're going to talk about some very basic fundamental equipment or tools that the Word of God brings the believer. And we have to recognize with this manual, when you apply it, your life can be enhanced. As a matter of fact, for a number of years, I have called God the life enhancer because he is. You receive Jesus And everything seems better because you're living on the right side of life. You're living in the right situation in your life. God is living through you and therefore everything you do will be enhanced if you allow it. Now let's talk about this whole thing about the word of God and it equipping us for living and all of that. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. We recognize that 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 it says... All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. If you recognize that all scripture 
is from the inspiration of God, you realize that all scripture is valuable to you. Every word that comes from the mouth of God is like daily bread to us. And if we take this in, it can be so powerful. Now, what does it say further in this scripture? By inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Going forward, verse 17 says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, it's been one of my life goals to have my life be perfect or furnished unto good works. Now, I'm not talking about good works that earn my righteousness or earn my salvation. Jesus already did that. But what I am talking about is works that actually produced fruit, works that produce life, works that line up with God's will for my life. And you can't fully know what those are unless you have an absolute uh, understanding of the manual. What makes you tick? Why God has called you to do what you do? And you discover that through the word of God. Now, there are four words that we're going to talk about from this scripture out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And that's this. It's doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. These four words are some of the basic fundamental equipment that God gives us through his word. When you recognize these four words have uh, authority in your life and the authority from your life to other people's lives because of the word of God, you can actually walk in a, a, a thoroughly furnished setting that you're available to do good works by the spirit, not by other things or by the flesh or doing and trying. So I want to walk this through just for a moment coming out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Let's talk for a moment about doctrine. When it talks about that the word of God, the inspiration given by God is profitable for doctrine. This is one of the pieces of equipment for living, having good doctrine. Now in my session, Complete Gospel, I teach on doctrine. But here we see it right here. And the word doctrine in this understanding simply means teaching, instruction, or precepts. Now, to have good doctrine or to, to be thoroughly furnished unto good works means your doctrine has to be lined up with proper understanding of the word of God. Otherwise, if your doctrine is not lined up with the word of God, you'll get the wrong teaching, instruction, and precepts, and therefore, you will not come to the right conclusions. But if you have the word of God thriving through you and you have a heart from the spirit to hear what the word is saying, Doctrine is going to be powerful to you. You'll have good teaching, good instruction, and good precepts. Now let's move to the next one. The Word of God not only gives us good doctrine, teaching, instruction, and precepts, it also goes beyond that. It helps us with uh, a word that I want to look at here, and it's called reproof, the second word. The Word of God will teach us reproof personally and for others. So what is reproof in reference to? A reproof means that it is a proof or a conviction showing the evidence by which a thing is proved or tested. The word of God can make us thoroughly furnished unto all good works when we have a good grasp on reproof. A reproof, again, is the conviction or evidence by which a thing is proved or tested. 
So you're able to look at the word of God and reprove things that are not accurate and say, here's why I believe what I believe, because the word of God shows me here. Therefore, you can stand with conviction and you can bring evidence to what you believe and you can show how a thing is proved and you can test other things by the word of God. That's called a reproof. Let me give you an example. Somebody brings a doctrine that's not perfectly clear. They say something to you and you say, that doesn't set right with me. So you go to the word of God and then you're able to bring a reproof to that setting by showing with evidence from the Bible and proving and testing that theory or something somebody says and then being able to give evidence that it is not accurate because your basis is on the word of God. When you have your basis on the Bible, the word of God, you can say like Jesus said, it is written. I find that interesting too, that when Jesus had a conflict with Satan on the mountain, on the top of the roof, on, in different places, high places, when Jesus had a conflict, and he was tempted by the devil, he did not go into warring tongues. Jesus didn't start waving flags around. He didn't start dancing in the spirit. Jesus instead, he began to say directly, he began to use these words, it is written. He countered everything the enemy said to him with the word of God. That is reproof. A reproof shows that you have conviction and evidence. And that is how you prove or test something. You line it up with the real thing. And if it falls short, you recognize that it wasn't accurate. But if you give the word of God with clarity and somebody comes alongside and it does fall short or it lines up, bless God, then you're in agreement. But we want to learn to do good reproof. Reproof doesn't mean that you fly off the handle, get angry with someone, even towards your own life. Instead, you want to have a conviction or to convince something or show evidence of the truth. That's reproof. So we understand what that is. Let's go to the third one. The third point in 2 Timothy 3.16, to make the man of God thoroughly furnished unto all good works or to be perfect, is the word correction. Correction. The Greek here for correction, it literally means a straightening up. A straightening up again, actually, is the word. A straightening up again, that is uh, a rectification. In other words, this, that somebody at one time was straightened up, and all of a sudden they kind of lulled back to sleep in an area in their life, or they withdrew. There's a time in our own life and in other people's lives with the word of God where we ought to bring correction. And correction is where somebody that's slouching over, they're not really in the right place, they're not, not in the right frame of mind, they're not letting their mind be renewed with the word of God, you bring a loving correction. And you bring the word in such a way to them that they can straighten up and come out of their stupor and wake back up to what they're supposed to be doing or believing. That's called correction. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's important to have correction in our own life towards ourselves with the word of God. We're under grace. We know God loves us. But there are times that we need to be corrected. I can tell you personally, uh, where I'm most corrected is with the word of God when I read it in my personal life. When I spend time in the word myself. I begin to read the Bible and oftentimes I will literally have the word of God correct me. And that's powerful 
Because every one of us, if we're left to our own devices and we're not renewing our mind consistently to the word of God, oftentimes we'll start to sink in the mire of this world or sink in the mire of our mind. Yeah, you're born again. You're serving Jesus. You're on your way to heaven. But the truth is, sometimes your mind will start to get depressed. Your feelings will run away with your thoughts. And that is when you need to bring a correction. Correction's powerful. You bring a correction by the word of God and you're going to give people good understanding. You will save their life. They will stand back up, look at you and say, wow, I needed that. And if they don't, you've tried to help them because real love brings loving correction. And let me just be more clear about that. We do it by the word. And I'm going to define that in just a moment in this uh, session as well, because we don't want to use the word like a club. A lot of people like to do that. You need to get your life right. The next time someone says to you, you need to get your life right, or you need to get holy, you just need to ask the question, are you holy? Right back at that person. You need to say, are you being holy? Because many times they'll say, well, I'm doing the best I can. Well, we recognize this too, that it's not do the best you can and God makes up the rest. That's not how this works. We're living by grace. But if we want to have an effectual life that has a heart that doesn't condemn us, it's good to have correction. And that's what the word of God offers us. Correction is straightening up again. Again, sometimes people were once straight. They lean over in an area where they ought not to be. And then a correction from the word comes and stands them back up in order. Amen. We want to love people. So the next one, let's talk about the next point. We've talked about doctrine, reproof, correction. And again, these points are to make the man of God so that they are perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The next point, number four, is instruction. Instruction. Now, this word for instruction in the Greek, it's, it defines it this way, that it is a childlike, simple instruction, or it's a childlike, simple education. Uh, which aims at increasing virtue. So in other words, the instruction you're getting is very basic. It's very childlike. But the childlike instruction you're getting aims at a virtuous walk with the Lord. Um, and, and it's more defined this way. It's a cultivation of mind and morals, this instruction. It's an instruction that not just gives you a childlike education towards righteousness, and it doesn't just aim at increasing your virtue, but it also cultivates a mind, your mind and morals. So what are we talking about here? When it talks about that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, you have to recognize you have to have good doctrine for this. You must have a good handle on reproof. You must be able to receive correction and give correction. But then also you must be able to walk in ongoing instruction directly from the word of God. And through good teaching like this. And when you have the word of God coming at you, it will create a heart of purity. A heart of purity. Loving what is pure. Well, loving what is right. Loving what is of a good report. And we recognize that. So again, instruction in the Greek here, it means childlike or simple education aiming at increasing virtue. And it cultivates the mind and morals. So what does it do? It cultivates. In other words, it creates an environment for your mind. It grows your mind in such a way 
that you think right and have proper values. So your mind thinks right according to the word of God when it's receiving instruction. It also crafts your morals. So you have a mind that thinks right and you also have proper values towards others. There's some people that could be completely immoral in every area in their life before they meet Jesus. And sometimes even after they're saved because they have not let the word of God transform their thinking. But when you let the word of God come in and begin to transform your thinking, suddenly your morals begin to be adjusted. Uh, you don't look at the opposite gender with a perversion. You don't think about lying to get out of situations. You know, some people call it situational ethics. In other words, you just do uh, ethics that work for you in the moment. But your morals will get adjusted by the word of God. And that is from good instruction. You look at people with purity because your mind is trained with instruction. And so are your morals. That is so important. Instruction from the word of God does this. It also does this for you with your mind. It heals you of depressed thinking. Good instruction based on the word of God heals you of depressed thinking. It trains your heart for the right kind of believing. I don't know about you ladies and gentlemen, but when your heart is trained for right believing, you stop thinking about the things the world thinks. You don't look at the news and go, oh no, what are we gonna do? Jesus help me, what am I gonna do? That is not the way that believers should respond to any crisis. We should be the most peace-filled people on the planet. The most peaceful, loving people on the planet. The people with the most sound mind. The people that are not moved by perversion, but instead they are moved by love and grace towards others. That is so powerful. And you get a good understanding of that. So it'll heal you of bad thinking. One of the things I decided to talk about was depressed thinking. A lot of people are always thinking under par for where they should be. Having good instruction from the word of God cultivates a heart that heals you of depressed thinking. It gets your mind on track and it trains your heart for right believing. Now your morals again will be based on the word of God and you will start to look at every relationship differently. Morals is all in, in regards to relationship. And you can think of morals, as I said, through lie, lying, cheating, stealing, sexual uh, inappropriateness, any of those things. But having good morals set your heart on the word of God. When your heart is set on the word of God, your morals, you'll have a good uh, ethics with telling the truth, uh, dealing rightly with people, not being perverted with sexual relationship or how you view other people. That is so important. And this is also bad instruction or no instruction is why pornography runs so rampant in the body of Christ. The reason that it does is because the word of God doesn't have as much root as these other things. So therefore you look at that for a, uh, how could I say, a quick fix on something that you need on the inside. And the truth is, is it's just a hole that you're trying to fill. And honestly, we just need to have good instruction, not condemnation. The righteousness of God will set you free from that prison. It's awesome. Praise God. So the other thing that good instruction does is it not only cultivates your mind and morals, it will curb your passions. Now, I've already gone down this road just a little, but I'm going to go there a little further. The word of God will help you manage your passions. Another way to say it is, is that it curbs your strong desires, your overwhelming desires. Now, some people have really inappropriate overwhelming desires, but any overwhelming desire that... Uh, 
is, is just dysfunctional. Like if you really desire, just, you just desire them cupcakes. Can't get enough cupcakes. You want to eat a cupcake. It's like, cupcake? Oh, I, I want that. And that cupcake demon starts talking to you from the kitchen. Ha, ah, sister. Hey, brother. Come on in here and eat me. And, and you see that? And you want to go in there and do that? And it has a strong passion for you? or you have a strong passion for cupcakes or anything sweet, that is a strong passion that you got to learn to curb through the word of God. But that comes through this part of the word called instruction. It will curb these passions or strong de desires. Now it can be that way for food, for sex, anger, uh, self-centeredness, anything that just begins to rise up inside you. Now, you see people even in the body of Christ, and a lot of times people are trying to date other people and do different things. And a lot of times people come to church or they come to meetings, and they're not coming there because they just want more of the Lord. They want a date. And there's nothing entirely wrong with that. But if your passions aren't curbed, you're no different than the world. And so we realize the process of this is that we have to curb our passions for food, for sex, for anger, self-centeredness, any other emotional difficulty. Now, let me stop here and qualify what I'm saying. Because sometimes you can go down this road and people will be like, oh, it's true. I'm not good enough. Never have been good enough. Don't know what to do. I've been trying to get over these things. I don't know how to live better than this. What am I going to do, God? How am I going to make this work? I'm such a bad person. That is not what God's heart for you is. Ladies and gentlemen, God's heart for you is that you curb these passions by the word of God through good instruction. In other words, by the spirit. And we're going to get to that in just in a moment. Now, another thing that it does is it not only curbs your passions, the desires for food, sex, uh, things with anger, self-centeredness, any other emotional issue that you might have. It also uh, teaches you to train and care for your body, for your physical body. As we know, it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to train your body. Now, there's a lot of ways that people can talk about training their body. But the truth is, there's only one way that I know how to do it. And it's called exercise. Oh, yeah. Some people are like, exercise? I thought I was watching something about the Bible. And you're talking to me about exercise? Yeah, I'm talking to you about exercise. Because exercise will cause your body to live longer. It's a good habit to get into. I encourage you to look at that. But the word of God will teach you through instruction. It'll make you want to care for your body appropriately. Now we know some people worship their body. They think that their body is the greatest thing. You know, I heard one person say it this way, you know, uh, tongue in cheek and with a little sarcasm. They used to say it this way. When I was your age, I used to have the body of a Greek God. And then they got older and they said, now I just have the body of a, of a Greek. No, praise God. God wants you to win, and he wants you to take care of your body. He wants you to live, move, and have your being. But the word will cause you to care for your body appropriately. Appropriately. Now, the other thing that good instruction will do is it will cultivate your soul. Cultivate your soul. In other words, it will bring your will and emotions into a place that is like a good soil for seeds that can form the word of God. So let me say it this way. When you have your soul cultivated, it means that the ground of your heart is able to receive the word of God, take root with the seed that's given to it, and then actually have the word of God spring forth with the manifestation of those promises. So let's say you have a promise from God in the word, 
and your soul is in order from good instruction. In other words, good teaching. You have good teaching and your soul is in order so your heart can hear what the Spirit is saying through the teaching. That seed goes in and because your soul is in order, you can literally manifest the promises of God in your life because your heart's ready for it. The seed goes in and out comes the blessing. So you're believing for something specific. Say you're believing for healing. Now you can't earn a healing, but if your heart and your soul is lined up, you hear the word that God wants you well. He wants to heal you. You hear that word. The seed goes into your heart and your soul is not all messed up over it. You've cultivated it from good teaching. So because of that, when that seed takes root, it gives birth to a manifested healing in your body or someone else's. That's powerful. That's why we have to have a cultivated soul, a soul that is put together by good instruction. Uh, one more thing, too, that good instruction does, and we saw this just earlier, is it corrects mistakes. Now, this is a little bit different than correction. The Greek tense here for instruction, when it corrects mistakes, means this, that it makes you teachable. Good instruction, when you soften your heart and follow the progress I'm telling you, cultivates your soul, you get good instruction, you listen to good teaching, and it will correct mistakes in your life and make you teachable. Teachable people are usable people. Unteachable people are people that never seem to have their breakthrough. They plot along, they plot along, they plot along, and they're driven by selfish motivation, selfish motivation. It's all about me. Forget you, me, me, me. It's all about me. It's what I think. I don't care what you think. It's about me. And they're always on the inside looking for what they can get out of the setting. And the truth is, is when they are being teachable, God can promote you. God wants to promote you. But if you listen to good instruction and you apply it to your heart, you curb those passions or you allow the word to curb your passions, you allow the word to cultivate your mind and your morals, it will make you corrected and it will also cause you to be teachable. When you say, I'm teachable, it's a blessing to the Lord because the Lord loves tender-hearted people that are pliable in his hand that he can use. Now, this moves us beyond this. So we just looked at four points, doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. And this is what it says in 2 Timothy 3.17, that it makes the word of God, or it makes the man of God, rather, perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, I want to say this as simply as I can, that when we're talking about thoroughly furnished into all good works and being made perfect, this doesn't mean that you have to do and try and strive and be good enough to be perfect before God. No, this is an effortless situation that you listen to good teaching, good instruction, and you let God lead you. And through that process, God will bring great freedom to you. So go with me, if you would, in your Bibles as well to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's start in verse 4. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4. And it says, And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So again, we're talking about this, and we recognize that there's no doing and trying with ourselves that gives us anything from God. But the part of effort that we have is we have to sit under good instruction. We also must take in the word of God. 
And when you do that, the effort's not of yourself. The effort is your faith applied to what he's done for you. And then you take that in, verse 5, I'll read that again. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Verse 6, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Now pay attention to this part. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Why am I saying this? I'm saying it because to have doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction flowing through your life, it comes from resting in the word of God. How do you rest in the word of God? How do you get doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction to flow through your life and get all the benefits we just talked about? You do it by surrendering to the word. You do it by surrendering to teaching and being teachable and saying, Lord, I do not have it all figured out. I don't have it all worked out in my mind. I don't have it all worked out in my heart. But what I do know is, is I'm willing to hear. And some people might say, I don't even know if I'm willing. Well, then maybe you need to pray, God, help me become willing to be made willing. <laughs> and if you'll do that, God will begin to use you. God will begin to bring you through and break you through that process. Now, we realize that most people, when they start getting into the word of God like this and realizing that the Bible has its foundations and all these things, that they start to understand it and they go at it with a mental ascent or intellectualism or they use their brain to try to figure out the word of God. If you use your brain only to try to figure out the word of God and try to get doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in your life and in the life of others, then you are on the path to letting the word of God be used in your hands like a club. And it will not bring great freedom to other people. So we don't want to use the word of God like a club. So let's talk about this. We recognize that uh, there are sins, there are things that are wrong. We realize that in John chapter 8, let's go there together. I want to talk to you about John chapter 8 very quickly. John chapter 8, and this is the account where there was the woman caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 3. It says, Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. <laughs> Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a, a stone at her first. And verse 8 says, and he again stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience one, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. 
Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. Now, going back to this, we recognize something here. Jesus said, where are your accusers? And the accusers that came to her, came to her with a logical, literal argument. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. Because I want you to recognize what I'm talking about with 2 Corinthians 3 by giving you a parallel understanding in the life of Jesus in this moment. Verse 5. Again, the Pharisees came and they said, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Now, I want to point something out here. The Pharisees were right. They had a legal right to stone this woman. But Jesus was not looking to stone her. He was looking for restoration. Jesus was looking for the restoration and the way to fix the setting. When you use the word of God like a club, even though it's literally accurate in some areas, you can miss the Spirit's, uh, the Spirit's will to restore such a one or to bring someone forward and actually heal them. Now, they were right with the word of God, but if you use the letter with the word, the letter will kill, but the Spirit will give life. So Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? And they weren't there. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He did not say, you're on your way to hell. He didn't say all these things to her. He was getting her to be restored. Now, the reason that he didn't say, believe in me, repent of your sins, all these, he hadn't died on the cross yet. But the truth of the matter is, is Jesus didn't condemn her because he's looking for restoration. So why am I saying all that? Why did I rope that story into it? I did that because I want you to notice that anytime you use doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, anything like that from the letter side of the word, and you do it through mental assent, you will be like the Pharisees that even though you're correct, you're incomplete. We need to be complete in what we're doing. And when we approach the word of God by the spirit, but not by the letter, by the spirit, with the truth of the word, I'm not talking about bending scripture or moving scripture to the side. We do it exactly as it is written. We don't go beyond what is written, but we do it by the spirit, the spirit of grace moving us in the scripture, looking for the restoration, not for the condemnation. And if you'll do that, God will bring great favor to you through it. So the Pharisees had looked for absolute condemnation and they were doing it to trap Jesus, but he looked for the restoration. You need to go at everything in the word of God with doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction by the spirit that brings life. Now, again, let me say this scripture as well. Galatians chapter six, verse one. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, that's powerful. You who are spiritual. Somebody needs to say spiritual. <laughs> you could actually say it with a little Mufasa in it. Spiritual. <laughs> you who are spiritual need to restore such a one in his spirit of gentleness. Now, when someone's overtaken in a trespass, the word of God shows that they're wrong. You can find that they're wrong. But if you're spiritual and you're walking in the spirit, you're doing the word by the spirit, not the letter, then you're going to have more chance and you actually are commanded 
to restore such a one if you're really spiritual. And that's how you need to be towards yourself as well. If you blow it, be spiritual and be restored by the word of God, by the spirit. In other words, you read the word out of love. You don't read it through a mind of condemnation, out of a heart of condemnation. You read the word to get the life of the spirit out of it. Now, when we're talking these things through, when you read the word from your natural mind, and a lot of times people do, they read it, they do their devotions, which is powerful, and we should always do that. It's a good discipline. But when you read the word through your devotions, and it's all just natural mental ascent, and that's the whole thing, it's all about the mind, you will always end up on a road that leads you to self-righteousness. And I believe this, the worst sin of all is the sin of self-righteousness. A, it says, I can work the works of God in my own ability. I'm good enough, therefore God should bless me. That's self-righteousness. The second part of self-righteousness says, I'm better than all these other sinners. And God is displeased with that because you and your works, they don't amount to anything. But what amounts to everything is Jesus in you, the hope of glory, being released by the Spirit and receiving the Word of God, good instruction, good reproof, good correction, and good doctrine by the Spirit. It'll bring such life to you and through you. You will live and others will live. But many people can't come to this conclusion. The reason they can't is because they only have one half of what God's given us after the cross. That is salvation. And a lot of people need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Did he say speaking in tongues? I did. And that means that you can begin to see the word through a different light because the Holy Spirit is upon you. He baptizes you. And then you can begin to see some of these things. And then you sit under good teaching and a teacher you used to listen to all the time. And it sounded like the old Charlie Brown cartoons. Wah, 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 wah. That's all you hear. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you hear the teacher that has the word of God and they're baptized in the spirit and they're teaching the right gospel to you. You hear that and all of a sudden you begin to hear what they're saying and it'll come alive to you. Consequently, when we talk about these things out of 2 Timothy 3.16, these four requirements for these four uh, uh, pieces of equipment that will manifest in your life, if you don't sit under good teaching with the Holy Spirit and you don't sit under somebody that's on the right side of the cross and you're not sitting under teaching that's talking about the baptism of the Spirit, the, the grace of God, grace, grace and faith mixed together. If you don't have that, uh, not just all grace, not just all faith, but if you don't have them mixed together by grace through faith, uh, you won't get this understanding and you'll go back to works righteousness. It's time to be delivered of our self-righteousness. It's time to be delivered of works righteousness and begin to receive what the Bible has for us through doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. And that'll come even as you listen and sit under these sessions. As you listen to these sessions, these four areas will just come alive in your life. Now, one more thing I want to do is I want to pray for you to be delivered from a self-righteousness. In the name of Jesus, works righteousness, spirits of self-righteousness, where anyone has been self-centered. I just release you from that right now.
God loves you so much. I resist that in your life. And I thank you, God, that you are touching my brother and my sister right now. Lord, so we can freely receive the doctrine, the reproof, correction, and instruction that your word has for us. In Jesus' name. I resist self-righteousness, my own doing and trying, and I receive the gospel, the completeness of your gospel, the finished works of Jesus with the baptism of the Spirit and effortless changing power of God begins to flow through my life right now. Praise God. I just want you to say thank you, Jesus. God is good, isn't he? God loves you so much. I hope you got something out of this teaching today. I believe that if you take the word of God in and you have doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction, uh, you want that to be generated inside you, you just need to relax, listen to the word of God, take in the word of God, listen to good teaching like this. There's a lot more to come. And I believe God will change you and continue to craft you without all you're doing and trying in the natural to create the man and woman of God he has purposed for you to be. Thank you for listening to this message. For more resources, visit josephz.com. Become a partner today and help us build lives by the Word of God.